This, this one, one belongs to Marty <laughs> Brennan. <laughs> And welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. What's good, Hummer? It's a great day to be a Bearcat fan. It's a bittersweet day to be a Reds fan. You are 100% right about that. Which leads us to a very, very special episode of the Cincy Slangin' Podcast. In fact, we're not talking Bearcats basketball tonight. Instead, we're joined by two other guests to relive and commemorate one of the greatest sports announcers of our time, Marty Brenneman. I'm joined in Cincinnati by Lamar Stiles. Lamar? Hey, what's going on, Cincy? I'm joined here in New York City with Cameron Papp. What's up, guys? It's great to be here, and it's awesome to hear your voices at not one and a half speed. I'm glad to hear that we can actually be listened to at that speed. What do I sound like at one and a half speed? <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted to spend a few minutes here talking about Marty Brenneman, talking about the, the joy and happiness that he's brought to folks' lives for the last 46-plus years at this point. Uh, incredibly emotional day today for Cincinnati Reds fans. The stadium really sent him off well, everybody except the team. Uh, but all in all, great, great ending, I would say, to Marty Brenneman's career. Lamar, you were at the game today. How was being at the stadium for Marty Brenneman's final game? <laughs> well, um, really, I was just there for the free radio. No, 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 seriously. I have to <laughs> give a shout-out and a much well-deserved uh, tribute to Marty He's done nothing but great things for this city. Um, And again, like you said, to commemorate him, the city was just surreal. I mean, even on a work day like today, uh, the city was just so lively. Um, It was probably a second to only our opening day, which everyone, if you're, you know, a Cincinnati native, you know how crazy and busy uh, Cincinnati gets for opening day. Um, (laughs) I would say... Uh, Marty got more cheers than any time we hit a home run, which I think was only once today. So, uh, yeah, Marty was the uh, star of the show, and uh, rightfully so. I have a question. For Since you were at the game, I was not at the game. Um, I'm here in New York. But were people listening to the transistor radios, or was that just like a gimmick and like that you could take home or whatever? What was funny is because uh, I made a joke before going in. I was like, what if they were like, hey, batteries sold separately, right? <laughs> like, you know, like, you're not even going to be able to listen to this radio. But no, it was a thing. Um, people were pretty silent. You would hear radios everywhere. So people were really trying to listen to Marty's voice. It was, again, surreal that, I mean, at a sporting event, like how loud or how quiet can you be at a live sporting event, right? But no, people shut up, gave Marty his dues and his rightfully due respect. Um, you could hear radios everywhere. The only time it even really got loud were runs, um, boos, and when you saw Marty's face up on the big screen. 
So all across the interwebs, especially on, on platforms like Twitter, Facebook, and the like, you could see that people were truly feeling emotional about today. Could you feel that and even see that in the stadium? Oh, absolutely. Like, without a doubt, it's an equivalent to any, like, type of feeling, uh, which is funny is because you get guys like ourselves who are young guys, relatively speaking, you know, Cam's pretty old. No, you get young guys like ourselves um, going to the game. You know, we love sports. The amount of what we would consider old people, I'd say 50, 60 plus years old um, that were Cam's active. over here saying watch it. <laughs> yeah, but the amount of people that were like 50 plus, 60 plus years old that were out the game probably outnumbered the young people. And then when you sit to think back and look at like why that is, right, right, 46 years, that's why. A lot of those people who were 60s now were 20-year-olds. They were young just like us. They didn't have TVs and things like that. So all they had was Marty's voice to say, here, here belongs another one to the Reds. So it was, it was really beautiful to see. For the record, Lamar is like three months younger than me and can't even get the, the Marty slogan right. So just so Cam Hummer, you guys are in New York City and both incredibly longtime Reds fans, lifelong Reds fans. Uh, you're not able to be in Cincinnati for the final day. How did you guys choose to commemorate the day? Did you were you able to listen to the game? Were you? Uh, did you get together? Just tell us a little bit about your day. So for anybody who's been listening to us the last four weeks, they know my plans. Uh, we grabbed some stogies. We did not grab the bourbon, though, because we realized it was a day game, not a night game. So instead, we picked up some session ales. We sat on a park bench overlooking lower Manhattan with a speaker. We got yelled at uh, once by someone who said you should not be smoking cigars in this park and then asked for lighters for from two other people who decided to light up joints in said park. In honor uh, of Marty Brenneman or? Uh... <laughs> uh, just in honor of having a good time on a Thursday. But, no, it was, it was a very good, you know, it was a good chance. It was a quiet setting. The clouds are rolling into, which, which actually kind of foreshadowed the, the final outcome to the game. Very romantic. It was very romantic. I'm sorry, Allie. Good Don't day. talk to my wife. <laughs> don't don't talk. Don't look at me. Look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> no, it was it was a good day. We we can't argue with that. But as we were sitting there talking on the park bench, we were we were talking about some of our favorite Marty stories and you know, we thought it would be a good idea to to come here and do this this tribute to Marty today, kind of the same way they did at the stadium today. We had our all had our own stories and Cam won the he told me a few, and I said, "Dude, you gotta tell me. You gotta, you gotta tell these stories to the world." Right, but before you get into the stories, I, I 100% want to hear about those. Lamar just told us about the experience of watching the game live, maybe hearing some of it on the radios that they handed out. You guys experienced his last game, listening to Marty's every word, hanging on every last word over nine innings. What was that experience like? Well, my comment is that the MLB app needs to silence the commercials more because it goes from. And this is a titanic struggle, too. This is Lance McAllister here with my wife and my son. <laughs> there are a little bit of sound issues between the commercials, but, yeah. I thought Marty did uh, well. You know, he kept it classy. He did, you know, very, like, straightforward, nothing too crazy until the end when, um, you know, he gave his, like, going away <laughs> speech with uh, with Jeff. And then Jeff started talking about, like, you know, he started getting, Marty started getting choked up. 
Brantley started talking about like how much he appreciated him and how like you know he was the only person since his dad that you know gave him a chance in life and whatnot and uh yeah it was it was touching it got a little dusty you know i'm not gonna lie it got a little dusty but at the same time too we were also excited to see at some points marty i think did think to decide the, the you know no holds bar it's my last game let me start talking some shiitake mushrooms on the mlb which was which was nice to see him actually kind of give his opinion, like especially when he started getting talking about Pete Rose and his friendship with Pete Rose, his friendship with Joe Morgan and how they all went about it, and basically kind of saying his true opinion on what he thought about the whole Pete Rose not being inducted to the Hall of Fame. That, And he flat out said it. You know, Pete Rose isn't going to be inducted until he's dead, which is a shame. And so it was kind of nice seeing Marty just kind of throw all no cares to the wind. Okay, step down from the pedestal, Hummer. I actually, <laughs> to that point, I wanted to ask the group, um, especially Coomer, because, you know, you um, are a big sports fan and sports media and whatnot. So Marty, you know, I kind of had, you know, an up and down relationship with Marty. I love him to death. But, you know, over the past few years, he's been a little, um, you know, how you can senile. say a little senile, uh, kind of anti-sabermetrics type of stuff. But even before that, you know, he was never afraid to speak his mind. So I was wondering, do you think this is sort of the end of an era for those type of um, sports commentators who really just don't give a crap about what, you know, people think about them and they're willing to call out players and even coaches and managers at times where it's not so much of like a hot takery, but like they um, they kind of like epitomize the the frustrated fan. I don't know if you see that too much in sports anymore well i'll speak to it as it as it relates to local people who cover teams locally because i think nationally you still get plenty of hot takes you get plenty of opinions on bashing players managers in fact that's probably what the sports media conglomerate is actually built upon but locally i think you have a great point um i don't think that local beat writers local announcers they tend to try and immerse themselves as closely with the teams as possible. And the easiest way to do that is to be, I would say, a little bit soft in terms of criticisms. Uh, it's tougher to go go hard on the manager, go hard on a player, when it could potentially impact your access. And, uh, you know, there was an example from that earlier in the year with Ju- Justin Verlander demanding a Detroit writer be kicked out of the locker room, and, and Houston complied. And so I think that need for access is actually setting a tone for not having as many Mar- Marty Brennemans down the line, aside from the fact that baseball in itself is unique, where the announcers have such, they have so much more cachet on the sport. They have, people have much more personal relationships with a baseball announcer than they do football, and that's just due to the nature of the game, the slower pace, the ability to uh, wax poetically while the game is going on. And uh, you don't get that in football. You certainly don't get that in basketball. So, yeah, I, th- I could see it as being somewhat of an end of an era. And as we see the Vin Scullys retire, the Marty Brennemans, it's unlikely to imagine their importance ever actually being replaced or followed up in the same way by any announcer going forward. I mean, it's hard to disagree. The only thing that I, that I see, you know, it is in the end of an era because at the same time, like, is, is Tom Thrall going to have the same clout to say, what, what was Marty's old saying uh, um, I was here before you, and I'll be here long after you're gone. 
you know, there's not a lot of guys that can that can say that, you know, today and and, and look at a player like, you know, Justin Verlander and say, I'm going to be here after you're gone. You know, that's that's a big thing. And Mar- that was Marty saying, and that's that's a huge, huge thing for someone to say to, to a guy like Justin Verlander, oh, I'm Justin, you're Justin Verlander, you're you're Cy Young Award winner, you're the best pitcher in baseball, but I'll be here after you're gone so I can say whatever the hell I want about you. You know, there's not a lot of guys who have that clout, and for Justin Verlander to say, get that guy out of the locker room, you know, for, for Houston to be able to comply with that, no one's telling Marty Brenneman to get out of the room. That's not going to happen. No one's telling Vince Scully to get out of the room. It's not happening. I'll say this. I will say that it's needed now more than ever. So an example that I've experienced is as we jumped into thinking about making Cincy Slang, and we kicked around the idea of covering both football and basketball and ultimately landed on basketball because that's where our passion is. In the meantime, I tried to get in touch with the football team again, started following some writers on Twitter, uh, started reading more articles about the team, and if you read those articles and followed the coverage and listened to the people who followed the team most closely, before the season started, they'd have you believing that this was going to be one of the all-time UC football teams. And I mean that by saying there was very little negative coverage, very little honest assessments in terms of what the talent actually was. And it's a good team. And Luke Fickle's exciting. And he is creating waves in terms of recruiting. But at the end of the day, it's a pretty average football team. But you didn't get that from the people who were covering the team the closest. Let, let me criticize you first, though, Coomer. We could be overzealous uh, on our predictions for the Bearcat team this year. Basketball. No. Prove it. <laughs> Prove it. We'll see what happens during the regular season. But We'll see what happens. I'm just saying we're pretty optimistic, and I think we are also, if there are glaring holes in this team, we're not seeing them yet. No, we are seeing them. We are, we are seeing them. Not to take – look, this is about Marty Brenneman. The basketball team has plenty of flaws. There's not a big man rotation, and we started covering that last episode. This is what I'm saying, though, is <laughs> there tends to be a kind of a local bubble when it comes to these a teams. Bias. A bias, a bubble, and I don't think you're seeing as much honest assessments of local teams anymore from the local reporters. Yeah, I totally agree. I um, I think there's a point that you can go overboard, you know, when you're, you know, ripping on Joey Votto for his on-base percentage, probably a little too much. But at the same time, like, you know, when you're listening to, at least for baseball, and, you know, you have so much time to fill, um, Marty was kind of the guy, like, when you were really frustrated with the team, when he would speak his mind about something, you'd be like, yeah, that's, you know, like, that's what I thought. And, um you know, sometimes you see these other local announcers and they're more afraid to do that type of thing. They wouldn't, like, you know, rip on a player, rip on a manager for a decision or whatnot. So I think it might be the last of a dying breed. But um, It's an interesting conversation. I do want to make sure we're getting to some of the stories that you and Hummer have about uh, Marty Brenneman, the Reds. Please, the floor is yours. We were talking earlier today. We were on the, we're on, we're sitting on a bench. You're telling me some of your stories about, you know, your favorite memories of Marty Brenneman. They're fantastic. I think you should share them with the world. Tell me first, start from the back of your list, not the front of your list. What's your least favorite of your five favorite memories? My least favorite is definitely the last uh, few years. Like I said earlier, just, you know, calling out players for, 
the kind of the anti-analytics movement. Um, yeah, calling out my, you know, my favorite player of all time, Joey Votto, about his on-base percentage because, you know, getting on-base is the same as a single, Marty. But, uh, yeah. That, me, that, Joey Votto is your favorite player of all time? Yeah, I mean, up there. Okay. Top two or three for sure. Very large. Just throwing that out there. Tough to argue. Okay, top five Marty moments from me. This is personally, okay? So some of these are um, you can't argue with because they're mine, so <laughs> fuck off. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> okay, no, here we go. Number five. Uh, I have no idea when this was. This was a few years ago, but I remember it might have been Father's Day. It's a better story if it's Father's Day. Marty with Tom um, on air. He was arguing with him about who was a better player, Derek Jeter or Alex Rodriguez, which is... <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, Marty obviously was all about Jeter. Tom was all about A Rod. Uh, I just remember <laughs> Thom uh, keeps saying that A Rod's a ball player. Ball player. He just kept saying ball player. Um, so they literally argued for like 30 minutes on air. It was great, like awesome radio. And then finally, Marty, you know, it looks over at him, not that I could see him, but and says, Where did you get so opinionated? <laughs> Amazing. Okay, number five. Number four, obviously, this is a huge one. Marty shaving his head after 10 wins in, in a row in 2012 when he said, if the Reds win 10 games, this ball club will not win 10 games in a row. If they do, I'll shave my head. They won 10 games in a row, and, of course, he shaved his head, donated it to charity. Awesome moment. Yeah, that's a great moment. I remember that one. Number three, I call it Martyisms, uh, obviously, and this one belongs to the Reds. It's the famous one. Um, whatever, 20,000, 19,000 show up for tonight's Titanic struggle. I still have no idea what that means, but he says it every game, no matter if they're winning what or losing. You, what do you mean you don't know what that means? Tell me, what's the origin of Titanic struggle? It's, it's the Titanic, the struggle of the ship going down, the people dying, the ship is going down, the team's losing. But he says it for wins. He says it every game. Like, we would be up, like, 13 to nothing, and because he'd still say Titanic. inning struggle. Every inning is a struggle. It doesn't matter if you're up or down. It's a struggle. You're going through the motion, the process. All right, Shakespeare. You're ruining my cheat Sorry, here. Sorry, you, you asked. Um, okay, uh, the other Martyisms, though. Uh, calling Tony La Russa the man who invented baseball. Awesome. Perfect. Um, and his take on the Cubs fans, quote, Far and away, the most obnoxious fans in baseball. I mean, come on. If that's not, if that doesn't endear you to Cincinnati's heart, I don't know what does. All right, number two, Jay Bruce Homer in 2010, calling that game to clinch the NL Central. Uh, he was so excited when that happened, he forgot to say, and this one belongs to the Reds. Great moment, awesome moment in. Cincinnati Reds history that only involves my lifetime because they had a lot of great moments before that, but I live in the worst era. Well, from our undocumented sources, that's the only time Marty has ever forgotten to say, and this one belongs to the Reds. Incredible. Yeah, don't source us, please. Yeah, don't. This is, that's true. This is no, it's 100% hour. true. It's 100%, 100% true. 100% true. As long as he's saying, and you heard it first, do not fact check us. All right, number one. This one is a little more personal, so sorry, guys. Forgive me. But, um, you know, Marty and Jeff and uh, both Jeffs, Brantley and um, – oh, sorry, Jim. Jim Day and Jeff Brantley were talking about, you know, how a lot of kids grew up listening to 
Marty and how, you know, the West Coast games, they would uh, put the transistor radio under their pillow. I was one of those kids. I didn't have a transistor radio, but I would definitely listen to the game um, when they were playing the Dodgers or Padres or whatever, and the game started at 1030. My dad would let me listen to the game. So that was awesome. But one of the um, one of my favorite parts about listening to Marty on the radio was with my dad, and anytime we would get in the car uh, and turn on the, the Reds game or we would get home from dinner or whatnot and turn it on, and you would hear, sometimes you would hear just the crowd. And it would just like you would sit there for a moment and you would just hear the crowd of the game and no one, no one would be talking. And my dad would go, well, Joe must be commentating. And I didn't know what that meant. And I was like, OK, cool. And then every time, you know, you know, another time we'd listen and uh, we'd start the game and Marty would be talking or whatnot. And then another time it'd be the crowd just listening. I was like, Dad, why do you always say, you know, that's Joe? He's like. Because if Marty's commentating, he can't stop talking. <laughs> and that's my favorite Martyism. I love you. Love you, Marty. For better or for worse. One more time. This one belongs to the Reds. To you, Marty. Cheers to Marty. So we're talking about stories about Marty, and we're talking about stories of the Reds on the radio. And I do have one story. And this is the story that probably turned me into the Hummer that you all know and love. Hopefully love. Maybe. Who knows? That's up to you to decide. I so love you. watching or listening to the, to the Reds started with me as a tradition with my grandfather. Uh, what I would do is I would go over to my grandparents' house. I would cut grass. And my grandfather would sit in the garage in a, one of these little fold-up chairs. He used to have a cooler of next to him and he'd basically watch me work my ass off and you know I would do that for several summers and my, my when I turned 14 I did this one year and this was the uh, Cam you can help me out here who was the the guy that we had he was an outfielder I believe and we traded him to the Rangers where he almost won MVP but he was an alcoholic Josh Hamilton Josh Hamilton grandfather hated Josh Hamilton but that was the season uh we're sitting there. I'm cutting the grass. I come back in, and normally when I sit down, I sit down next to my grandfather, and he just says, you know, good job, pats you on the back. I'm 14 years old, and he has, he has Marty, he has Joe on the radio, and he goes, and my, my grandfather had a, he ended up dying of, of lung cancer, but also had a little throat cancer earlier in his life, and he goes, Ryan, sit down. I'm like, all right, what's up? We're listening to the game. Here's a bear. 14 years old, my first Natty Light. Cheers to you, Marty. Hey, cheers to my grandfather. Cheers. Absolutely. <laughs> Side note, wasn't that the year that Josh Hamilton won the um, home run derby? Uh, he did not win it as a Cincinnati Red. He won it as a Ranger. Really? Okay. It kind of, the story kind, kind of goes, you know, comes back around that, you know, Josh had some substance abuse problems and Hummer started drinking beer at the age of four. So it all makes sense now. Yeah. God damn it. Well, it's an, it's an absolutely amazing career, whether you're 60 years old and started listening to Marty as a 10 year old or less. Uh, you've also got kids today who have gotten to experience him. His impact on the Cincinnati community and the baseball community at large is 
undeniable, and he will be truly missed. When 2020, when the baseball season starts next year, it's going to be jarring to not hear Marty Brenneman's voice across radio airwaves. Thank you for bearing with us as we indulge in our love and appreciation of Marty Brenneman. Cam, Lamar, Hummer, it's been a pleasure talking to you all. Thank you for sharing your personal experiences with Marty Brenneman. Not only the positive, but in Cam's case, his personal vendetta for his hatred of Joey Votto. It's been a pleasure. Marty, an amazing career. And for one last time, and this This one one belongs belongs to to Marty. Okay.